Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey, folks, this is Hugh Ballou back for the Nonprofit Exchange, and we're going to be talking about the skills of presenting for nonprofit leaders. Russell, how are you today from Colorado? Beautiful day out here in the Mountain West, a little warm, a little uh, partly cloudy, uh, very warm week this week. Well, I'm glad that keeps you inside, so you have to behave. So let's get right on to Aaron Lomanjack here, uh, and I believe this is somebody you brought to the, to the interview, and Aaron, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Sure. So I am now a communications expert and a speaking coach, but it wasn't what I thought I was meant to do in this world. I actually wanted to be a dolphin trainer. So as a child, I I really just dreamed of being a dolphin trainer. So I actually went and did it. And while I was there, they said, you need to have not a marine biology degree, either a psych degree or a teaching degree. And so I was like, well, I like people, so this will be great. And so I ended up getting my undergrad in psychology. I was attending my master's in marriage and family therapy. And I worked a lot in social work. So I worked on the nonprofit side, but I also was really good at speaking business. So a lot of times I would sit at a boardroom table with the donors and the the directors and the board leaders and the people who were like, we just want to change the world. And I was like, you guys are saying the same thing using different language. And so I really came to understand that they were saying the same thing. They had the same vision, the same mission. At the same time, they were using different language. And so I became like an interpreter when I sat on board, board leads. And it was really the most amazing thing. But when, when, I, when I got about to my clinicals in marriage and family therapy, I realized that people came in and weren't changing. They didn't really seek change. And I thought, I can't do this for a living. I really want to help people. And so I actually left my, my master's program about 10 credits shy of my master's and became a coach because I knew if I had the word coach, people were seeking change. And so I became that change leader and help people create a movement with their message. Well, so what's your passion? Why, why do you get up in the morning and do this, this brilliant work that you do? I wanted to change the world. Right? And I knew that not just my voice and not just my message could do that. If I helped other people share their message and their story, how the ripple effect would go out into the world. And if you make, so let's say, speakers and, and entrepreneurs really good money sharing their stories, then they put together nonprofits. They fund wells and schools. And, and so it got to be that in one way, I was helping them get their message out and changing the world in that in that realm. But in the other realm, I actually got to help people build, you know, schools and wells and nonprofits and foundations. And that really lights me up as well. So it kind of is the balance of both about changing the world. And I get to do that in two different platforms and be able to make a big ripple effect in the planet. So every leader I meet, well, not every, but I would say the vast majority of leaders that I meet really could use an upgrade in their presentation skills. Why did you hone in on the nonprofit world? So I, because I sat on a lot of boards and it was a lot of people, a lot of the boards I sat on were 
ex-professional athletes, okay? So they didn't go to school to be nonprofit leaders or they didn't go to be communication directors like this. This was, you know, football or baseball was their, was their first passion. But what I saw was the draw that brought those, peop- those people, those donors into the rooms. And I saw that, you know, these men who have been on camera for so long being interviewed really didn't have the capacity to hold the space to share the stories, to really enwrap people, to actually open their pocketbooks. And so I thought, man, you know, I really know the nonprofit world really well, and I really wanted to help them learn how to communicate it so that the people in the room were like, man, what else do I got? How much more can I give? And can I, do- can I even donate my time? And so I really started from that perspective, which was so funny because it's not how I would have thought that I got into this. But I really realized I had a, a really good passion around it, and I had all the background in it, and it, and then it became a part of my business. And, you know, you're talking about transformational communications, and, and Hugh Bill's transformational leaders, and storytelling, being able to tell our story, it gives people a way to relate to us. And why is it it's so difficult for people to to tap into that? What, what, what do you see as the barrier that, that keeps people from really being able to tap into that in a meaningful way? I think, A, none of us like to self-promote. <laughs> Nobody really <laughs> wants to talk about themselves, right? And the second piece is they tell the story from the first person. So you're telling the story. I got up. I put my feet on the floor. I went to the bathroom. I brushed my teeth. I got ready for the day. Me, 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 I, I, I. And the audience is like, stop talking about you. Tell me how you can solve my problems. Why am I here, right? And so when you actually tell your story in a very compelling way, you can unlock them. And they're like, oh, I am all enrolled. I am ready to do whatever it takes. What are you offering me? And so I found that in telling your story in a way that could connect with everyone, so like you said, you know, when you tell your story, you can connect the story to other people and like, oh, me too. I relate to that. And so when you tell your story, when it comes from the human perspective, you know, I might know, not know what it's like to grow up, you know, with abusive family, or I might not know what it's like to struggle with addiction. But if I tell the story in a way that we all can connect as humans, and those three things are this, most important three things. What was I thinking? I was thinking, oh, I'm not smart enough for this. Oh, I was thinking, oh, are you sure you want to do this? What I was feeling, which is I was feeling not good enough. I was feeling terrible. I was feeling, you know, angry. And then if you go to the third piece, which is one of the most connected, this is what really gets people like, oh, I've been there, is when you share what you are feeling in your physical body. We all as humans have a physical body and we have reactions the same way. So if I say I was so angry, my fist balled up, my chest got tight, and that vein on the top of my head was popping, you're like, ooh, I've been there, right? All of a sudden, <laughs> you're in your brain going, oh, that's my story. I've been there. I was there yesterday with my kids or <laughs> whatever that is. But you can connect with a person that's telling their story. We don't connect with the, the I got up and brushed my teeth and went out to the world and did that. That's like, uh, get to the point, right? So it's when you can tell the story that, that can connect everyone in the audience to their own story is when you unlock them. You, 
you're eliciting your own oxytocin when you tell the story, but when they hear your story and they connect to it, they release their own oxytocin and now you're bonded. So you really can get anyone to do almost anything when you have that bond built with that trust. Well, you know, and a lot of people that work with nonprofits, they have an area of interest and an area of focus. And, and when you're talking in terms of the problem, a lot of people sort of get that. But then there's this notion that we have to provide hope and, and explain what our solution is. How do you help people transition into that space where their audience actually starts to come in and begins to feel like, yes, I am a hero. I am a heroine in bringing this change about, and I want to plug in. Yeah. I think, so you finish the story piece out, right? And you connect with them. Now they're like, ooh, I've been there, right? If you tell us, let's say we're talking to a homeless, it's for a homeless uh, foundation or, or things, or a cause. And if you tell the story, like, have you ever been to the place where you didn't know how to pay your rent? You worried that you didn't have a place to go, right? People will get into their own place of like, oh yeah. And because from that place, they want to serve people that are feeling that. If you knew that somebody had the route to the top of the mountain for you in those moments, you would have felt hope. And that's what we get to do today, right? And you get to be that person that reaches back and says, I've been there. Let me show you the route to the top of the mountain. So if you can paint that picture, everyone's all in. And it even gives me goosebumps just saying that now, right? Because it really is that piece of like connecting to the soul of the person saying, man, yeah, even I might not admit it. I've been there at least once in my life. And now I get to help someone because that was a miserable feeling that I was feeling. And, it, and when I got that, the, the nugget, the solution to the problem, it's when everything changed and I have hope again. Right. So painting that transition is huge. Well, you know, and I've spoken about transformational leaders, transformational speakers, uh, the whole business that is being done on a social level by nonprofits, socially responsible uh, enterprises. It's all about transforming people, uh, bringing them to a place where they, they want to get to and, in terms of, of a speaker, what, what are some of the characteristics of a transformational speaker? What are, what are some of the things that show up with these folks? It really is the people who have been there, done that, and want to share, right? If you look at any of the most successful people, we buy their biographies, right? We go out, we want to learn, how did you get there? Because it's that unfolding of, Oh, wow, there was these steps they took, right? And so if you don't share that, we've seen speakers just get up there and kill you with data. And I worked a lot with executives in the tech space, and they just want to kill you with data, right? And when a true transformational speaker gets up, they share their story. They share with vulnerability. They pull back that, that mask of like, oh, I'm the speaker, right? And say, no, I get where you're at. And you might be at this place, you might be at this place, but I'm going to take you from all the way up there to where we are now. And, and if you can do that well, then everyone will follow you, right? They'll go, they'll find out where you're speaking. What are you doing? What cause are you behind? How can I get enrolled? And, and that truly does change. It's not the, let me just tell you and talk at you. It's like, let's have a conversation. And when you do that in the storytelling, you're having a conversation without actually 
having talk back, right? You're not asking them questions. Most of the time, you might not, you might be just doing a, a monologue up there. But when you do it in a way that actually feels transcendent, that you're literally communicating with your audience, that's when change really happens. And that's where that enrollment, I'm in, where are we going? Let me plant my flag. Let's go. It happens. Okay. You know, I think that there's been a little bit more of a shift toward data, and there are a lot of resources out there that talk about uh, putting good quantitative data together and why that's important to nonprofits. And uh, and you've done a lot of work with different boards. Um, is it possible that we've got too much of a shift in that direction? And how do you work with leaders to strike that appropriate balance so that they catch the quality and the quantitative data? Yeah, I think for, for like the most important part that a lot of nonprofit leaders is, yes, we want to heal the world, right? And whatever that sphere is for you, whatever your, the cause is for you, we do want to change the world. However, we can get so far into that and not actually thinking about the, the deliverables the actual transactions you need to make to actually bring that to fruition, right? And so I've seen so many times nonprofit leaders actually one paycheck away from being on the other side of the table because they want to give so much and so much of themselves, but there has to be that place of like, all right, and we have to look at the numbers. We have to look at, okay, what is it that we really need and be really strategic about it and thinking about, okay, what are the stories that relate to the result we're trying to create at the same time, right? And so gathering that, because I, like I said, it's when I worked in, so when I worked for the state of Washington, I worked for DSHS helping people get onto assistance. I remember sitting there thinking, man, the people next to me aren't as fun as the people on the other side. And, and if I think about it, I'm really only one or two paychecks from being on that need side, right? And so, yes, it was great that in some ways it was great because it got me more relatability with them because I could understand that. At the same time, that doesn't make you an effective leader when you are trying to get the big picture done, if you have a big goal to accomplish, right? So really looking at both of those sides as the relatability piece, but also like how does this translate into what we need for the people that we're here to serve? Now, with leaders, I mean, with leaders, it's about bringing other people along with us. And one, one of the most important ingredients for that is influence. And, and tell us a little bit about how, how being effective as a speaker really enhances that influence. Yeah. So the thing is that people don't realize is when you think about having to present something or maybe you have a speech you have to create, you sit there and you're like, oh, I have to write this speech. And you're so fixated on the words and you're not really thinking about it, what's in it for the audience. And so I said there's four parts of compelling communication. The first one is your nonverbal communication. So this is your facial expressions. This is raising your eyebrows and curiosity and, and interest. Because if I raise my eyebrows, you see, oh, she's interested in me, right? She's excited about this. And so you can do these little things that help people realize you are the expert. You know what you're talking about. And I'm going to sit here and listen because I, I, I see that you're really confident, right? And so a lot of that is when you're walking into the room. When you're walking up on stage and the first 90 seconds is they're taking in everything that you're, you're projecting out there and they're looking to see, is this 
is this the person I want to listen to, right? Is this person, you know, who they say they are? And so the nonverbal is most important. That's 50% of your communication. 35% is your vocal tonality. Now, this is where most people have no idea because we're all monotone. We all walk around with our normal talking voice. And then what happens is a puppy walks in and we go, oh, my God, look at the puppy. We go really high. And then we want the puppy to sit. Sit. Right? But really, we are monotone. We're just using that middle voice the entire time. But if you can actually take people on a journey with your pacing, with your, with your volume, you can bring people in if you start whispering a little bit. And then it can be really loud when you want something to be, you know, really felt and resonant inside of their body. And then you use um, your tone, your pitch, and your tone. So all of these things are so important. And if you don't use those and have a roller coaster of emotions that are brought out by your tonality, you're boring people to sleep. And so the tonality piece is huge. And most people have no idea. And I studied with the top vocal coach in the world, Mr. Roger Love. Okay. And I had no idea about vocal tonality at all. I didn't grow up singing or on a stage or any of that. So I didn't know anything about it. But I realized how important it is in communicating. And then the third piece is the storytelling. Like I said, 13% of storytelling. So really doing it in a way that drives the audience to their own story and unlocks them. And then the last is 7% is the words, right? So it really doesn't even matter what you say. It's how you say it. So that is how you build the influence. You build it from them just observing everything that you're pouring out to them and really knowing that you know what you're doing and talking about and just feeling good about that. And when you're passionate about it, let it out. Let them see that passion because they want to connect to a passionate leader that knows the route and is going to take them there, right? Yeah, Roger Love is some, uh, that's a name that came up quite frequently when I went through the Colorado uh, Speakers Academy in 2015. A remarkable man. He talks about a lot of things. So in this, is, in this connection with people, uh, there are a lot of things. Uh, Oprah Ray Wilson was another one of my coaches, and he talked about having a presence. So... Talk a little bit about presence and how that uh, really helps transformational speakers or speakers be more effective and how that plays into their ability to, to exert more influence. Yes. So in the first 90 seconds, like I said, it's the most important. People are checking you out like, should I listen or should I pull up my phone and start scrolling? What happens in that first 90 seconds is your amygdala is actually on fire. Like it's throwing out all those neurochemicals, right? So you're feeling the fight or flight. So what happens for people when they're feeling that is we try to cover up the main part of our body, our torso, because that is the most, you know, vulnerable place of our body, right? So we do things like holding out of the microphone for dear life, standing behind a podium, uh, putting papers in front of our body, crossing our arms in front of our body, we, or pinning our elbows to our sides. All of those things are a self-soothing thing that actually shows the audience you're not confident in what you're talking about. And there's like this thing that goes on in their brains like, I don't know if this person's really worth listening to. So if you can learn how to do that and how to be open body language, put air in your armpits is what I like to say. Get, make sure people can see that you are totally open, you are vulnerable, there's nothing to hide. When you do that, they're all in to follow you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. So nonprofit leaders, 
when you when you think about the multiple types of audiences that you've trained over the years, what are some of the things you see that are most common to nonprofit leaders and are, are there certain spots where nonprofit leaders may need more help than other speakers, or are they pretty much like uh, any and everyone else? I think a lot of times the leaders are so about the mission and knowing they have to hit the numbers that sometimes that translates as, oh, let me just focus on the numbers and not really share the stories and get deep in there, right? Because they, do, they think, okay, let me share this person's story. But you know what would even be more powerful? Why am I involved in this? If I have faced homelessness, of course I'm going to want to be behind the cause, right? And if you don't share, you know, when I was, let's see, when I was being a dolphin trainer, I actually was eating a half a cup of ramen for breakfast and a half a cup of ramen for lunch and then worked at a restaurant at night to make sure I, I could pay my bills to be a dolphin trainer because dolphin training only paid $8 an hour in the Florida Keys and that wasn't going to do anything for me. But if I can share that, right? And it gets to like the ribs, it's the meat on my ribs saying, this is why I'm in this and this is why it's so important to me. And all of these stories are so important to me of all of the participants. That is going to translate so much better than, yes, I am the, the leader in front and just look at me, look at my leadership skills and all of that. If you actually peel that apart and show why you're so related to that cause and why, what that pain was for you. Because most people don't just go, oh, you know, I don't like cats, but I'm going to start a cat foundation, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so it really is, if you can open that up and share that with the audience, you're going to get so much further. You can share that with your board members. That's going to help you. You can share that with, you know, everyone that's involved, your volunteers. That's what a true transcendent leader does. That is, it's building people, bringing people together. That is, there's a lot to that, so... Uh, with with uh, nonprofit leaders uh, or with any speakers for that matter, uh, knowing the audience is really important. And what are some of the best ways that you found for you uh, to actually get the audience engaged? And how important is it to really have that audience participation? I think it's the most important piece. And what you really, you know, that thing about sharing yourself, sharing your story and all of that is so critical. But it's also the piece of like, all right, if we're all in this together and we're on a team, we, we're all conquering this same problem together, right? And if a lot of, so a lot of people will, well, you know, like when I work with executives in, in, this, in the executive world, they still have to enroll their team in the, in the, in the big vision and mission, right? And it might be their, their goal because it was what their boss gave to them. But if you can talk really about what the problem is for the people, what is, what is the top of mind problem for the people laying in bed at night? How can you help them? And really looking at the audience from that perspective. When are they laying in bed at night going, man, if I only could have this, if I could only solve this problem. And if you can really get into that, then you find the stories that connect to those pieces. And that's important. So when I dissect an audience, it's really about what is their aspirations, because you got to speak to their aspirations. And what is it that they lay in bed at night saying, if I only could fix this problem, I, it, it would change everything for me. And if you can hit both of those, you're, you're going you're gonna to kill it because it's just going to land with most of the people in the room. The problem is you're thinking about the problem from your perspective 
doesn't help you. It's about the audience. It's never about me. You know, even my three-day event, it's not about me. It's about the people that get transformed, that go out and get to transform the planet. It's not about me, right? If you can do that in a way, you can get, you, you make sure you hit that client, that target audience, your client's audience, that thing really hard because, you know, it used to be you spoke to their fears. It doesn't work anymore. So you got to speak to their aspirations, right? And that piece of hope is not only for the person sitting in the seat, but the dollars that go to the people that it's going to help, right? So if you can speak to those aspirations and that hope, you really will transform the audience. So when you speak of that, when you're speaking to how you successfully navigate uh, solving these problems and, and just really, uh, first of all, letting people understand that you have a full grasp of that thing that keeps them up at night. Are there specific things that speakers can do that would make their message more compelling? It really is doing those three things. What are you thinking? What are those thoughts? Right? Because we've all thought at least once in our life, man, I'm stupid. Right? Or man, I wish I knew more. Or man, I'm too tall, too skinny, too fat, too little, too big, too whatever. You can speak with those words because that's the words, the thoughts in people's heads. You speak with those words exactly the words that you know that those people are feeling right and thinking about and if you speak to the feelings now the cool thing is if you think about the men's audience versus the women's audience more women are feelers and more men are thinkers but you still have some people that are crossovers so don't not do both i do both interchangeably because if you can talk if you said i was just thinking 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 these women are gonna be like oh, this is not for me <laughs> right and so and the same thing if i went to a men a room full of men and talk about feelings all the time the men are like uh-huh so if you can do those things interchangeably, you hit more of your audience. And then we all connect in what we felt physically. We can connect to, it was so cold that my nostrils felt, you know, they just were so tight and, and cold, right? We can talk about those things and you relate, right? And so it has to be those three things. What was I thinking when telling your story? What was I feeling? And what was I experiencing in my physical body? Those things are the key to all of it. Talk about the crossover, as you put it. Um, I think good leadership, good le presentation skills, um, they're all, it doesn't matter <clears throat> who you are, who you're speaking with, there's best practices, so to speak, <clears throat> in your industry. So there's a, there's a content piece, but like you said, that's 7% of the message. You gotta present it in a way that people um, wanna hear it and can hear it. And I know for many years early on speaking, I put way too much content in a 90-minute window. And I, I gave a lot of value, but it really got diffused when I didn't know where to start. So talk a little bit about the content and, and how do you make that come alive? And you know, it's where you are on stage, it's how you how you how you pace yourself, how you emphasize, how you take a, you know, pauses, all of that stuff. So when you're um, when you're helping somebody from the get-go, it doesn't matter. Or th who they're presenting to, but I, I really like that we're talking to nonprofit leaders and you have a passion for those of us that want to speak to our audiences. So if there's a question in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. So when I think about creating a talk, right, and I've done a lot of this with TEDx. I, do, I work a lot with TEDx speakers, and you have kind of a, a flow, but you need to have some of the data in there, right? So we're talking about the content piece versus the story piece versus the offer, whatever that offer is, whether that's offering, you know, to sell something, right? If you're just a speaker or an entrepreneur, or if you're actually um, offering 
uh, for them to join the join the cause by by opening their pocketbook, right? So all of those things are important. In that, when you create your talk, you want to start. I always start with questions. So the reason I start with a question is I build a tribe. So immediately I say, "How many of you in here, raising my hand high, have a message you want to create a movement with?" And everyone starts to raise their hand. And I go, great. I knew I was in the right room. And I said, look around. And all of a sudden, they look around and they see they're not alone, right? They're not alone. And I just built a tribe. And I am the leader of the tribe because I started the mission, right? And so in that, you get them all enrolled together. And maybe for the first time, they're no longer strangers. And they know that they're not alone. And they're, and they're in it together with all of the people in the room. And then I go into sharing. Ah, sorry. Phone call came in. I didn't think that was happening. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. I did not know that was going to happen. Okay. So <clears throat> when you then go into the content pieces, I always say, what are the three pieces of value you want to leave that can help? What do you want the audience to think, feel, do, or act differently now that they've heard you? What are those pieces? And if you can come up with a couple of those pieces and then bring in story, either you can tell your whole long story and take those pieces and say, see when I did those things and go back to the story, or you can share the story within the context of here's the next value piece. Here's the part of that, right? So thinking about the content is really making sure those value pieces help solve the problems of the audience, help them feel like they have something they're walking away with. And I think sometimes in nonprofit uh, speaking is I hear a lot of times that they're not giving anything to the audience. They're speaking about their cause and about what they're doing and how they can get enrolled. But it's never this thing of like, if I leave you with really good juicy content or something that you can implement in your life, you're going to be more apt to give back to me and give back to the cause. And so I think in thinking about writing a, a talk for a nonprofit or for a charity event or any of those things, it really has to say, what can I give this audience that solves a problem for them or makes them think or see things differently so that they feel like they got some value out of it as well. And then you lead into that offer. This is why I created whatever it is you created. This is why we created this nonprofit so that we can give back to these people and the people like me and all of that, right? And then you close it out, which is something really powerful that people will just land that plane. I always say it's like the first 15% of your talk and the last 15%, like if you were taking off in a plane, it's the most important getting off that runway and getting up. But then the cruising altitude is where you're giving all the value. You can tell your story, that kind of thing, and then you got to land it again, right? And people go, wow, that was really awesome. I had a really great flight. So that's kind of the, the ways that I think about setting up a talk. And it's really, what is it that we want people to know, feel, and do, and knowledge is that what is the most important thing I can tell them about this, you know? And really, when you, when you can hit on something that, that is not common knowledge, that really gets people up on the edge and uh, on the chair. So, you know, as you're looking at things, I, I read a lot of different information on, on nonprofits and just different things. And, uh, just try to share that information with people. You know, there's a lot of content out there. We don't have to generate because uh, all of us are together are smarter than any one of us, as Hugh likes to say. And it's bringing this knowledge in, you know. But it's that feeling. It's striking that feeling up within people, you know, 
some of the knowledge they may have, but there may be a feeling that, well, maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I need something extra. So what what are some of the things as you're looking at what you want people to feel that a speaker can do to really connect to that emotion and maybe help swing a person into another place or persuade them, hey, it's within your power to actually do something about this. Yeah, I think it is painting that hero's journey, right? Painting your own hero's journey, but then painting the hero's journey for the people that are sitting in the room. How they can, like you said, be the hero, right? So how do they, how can you convey that message? Here's why I'm here, and here's what I want to do, and here's what our our nonprofit does. But then how can you now be on the hero's journey and be one of those people that are changing the planet? And I know that everybody really, truly deep in their heart does want to give back in some way. I find that there might be maybe 1% of the population that might never want to give back. But even if you go sit on a street corner with someone who's homeless, they actually will share their, their, their sandwich with someone else, right? They're not just going to hoard it. So I know that that connection of everyone wants to be that person and wants to be able to feel like, Hey, as I'm being uplifted, I can uplift others. And so if you enroll that, that's where you're really going to get the people in, enrolled in it and really wanting them to, to join the, the, the cause as well. So it's really it's a, that storytelling piece when you connect it to you, you connect it with them, and then you help them go on their own journey, painting out that journey for them of what that money is going to do for these people. That's the key. And that, that's a very interesting term, enrollment. You know, we think in terms of making a pitch, making a sale, persuading and convincing. But then you have what we call enrollment. And that's an invitation to, to become a part of something uh, that's a little bit larger than them. But hey, you know, this is doable. So uh, talk about uh, enrollment. Is that part of the 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 the, uh, the view that you help speakers come to and 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 talk to about uh, bringing your audience in? How do you how do you talk to the speakers about enrollment and using yeah. it effectively? No one wants to be pitched. Nobody wants your package. Nobody wants your <laughs> offer. Nobody wants whatever you're selling, right? So you have to change your own perspective on that. And especially as a speaker who has content. Like, Mike, I'm not selling, I'm not selling a whatchamacallit, right? If I was selling a whatchamacallit, sometimes that's easier. That's more of the HSN, show me, you know, and like, you want this. And if you buy two, you get three, right? <laughs> you don't want to come off that way, right? And so the enrollment piece is that exactly the word you use, that invitation, right? Because no one really wants to be sold to. And even as a nonprofit leader, you're selling them whatever the cause is, right? And so if you can actually do that from a place of enrolling and saying, hey, and that vision of how they can be a part of it and how they can make a difference and how they, how their money is going to do that and how they are the hero and they're a part of this, right? That's all about them. And that's what enrollment's about. When you sell somebody, you're selling, usually you're trying to sell this thing. It's all about the data of what this thing is, right? But instead in enrollment, you're really about the people, the audience, even if it's a one-on-one conversation, it's what's in it for them. So that's the transition that's different. You really want it to be about them. Like I said, it's not about me and it's not about my whatchamacallit, whatever it is you're offering. It really needs to be a conversation on how I can serve you. And in turn, when serving you, you serve others, right? 
And so that's what I find enrollment about. It's what the needs are, figuring out what those needs and aspirations are for the people in the room. And yeah, as, and as we get back to talking about feelings, there's the relationship that, that people have with money. And that makes it tricky for nonprofit leaders to ask for what they need. And, and I think uh, it's a part of human nature to ask for that. And, and this feeling that I don't want to pressure people into doing something. I want people to be able to do this. So how do you help speakers work with those feelings that they have of, you know, I, I feel like I'm pitching something, you know, how do you yeah. help them navigate through that? And uh, do you run into people that are actually unaware that that's going on inside of them? Always. It's mostly all subconscious. Uh, so for me, when I got into coaching, I would have to enroll people in, in coaching with me. Right. And so I'm selling me and that feels very icky and awkward, right? No one teaches us how to sell ourselves. Right. And when you think about people who sell themselves, those are not people that we want to be like, right? And so it's like this hard thing of like, okay, but if you are talking about the vision and the mission, it's not about you. It's about how we can change and how we can change the world. And when I work with people on that enrollment piece, your every conversation is enrollment. You're either being enrolled or, or you're enrolling them. So in a conversation, say if I was doing even a sales call with you right now, either I would be selling you and rolling you into my program, or you'd be enrolling me into, well, that's too much, or I don't have the time, or I maybe need to ask my wife or whatever. And if you allow that, if you allow the enrollment, that kind of objection to come up, you can actually, you're really good at it. You can find out what really truly is holding them back because it's not whatever excuse they give you. It's something deeper. And if you ask enough questions, you can get to that, solve that problem. There's no, there's nothing getting in the way. There's no more excuses or no more objections. And so truly it's being of deep service and walking that person through that fear of whatever that is, that last dollar, or what if this doesn't work or whatever, right? And if you can do that, then they can see, wow, they really do know their stuff. I got to give them money. Right. And so it, it really is every conversation you think about it with your kids, either they're like, I want a popsicle <laughs> and either you're enrolled into giving them a popsicle or you're like, Nope, you're not getting a popsicle. And, and every time you have to look at every conversation is just enrollment. So there's no, if you start using that in your head going, man, every time I open my mouth, it's enrollment. I just want to be on the right side of it. I want to be on the side that's getting me my needs met and whatever needs that I have. And it just kind of shifts that perspective for yourself. So you know, enrollment is about really taking people where they want to go. Uh, and, you know, so I, there's a lot of times with most objections, there's sort of a question behind a question. There's an unsaid thing that, that is back there. And so that, that works a lot with, with people one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, do you find that there may be a little bit of that in, in a group think type of uh, fashion that shows up in an audience where uh, people are sitting there, they're listening to you talk about a specific problem in the community and maybe they've tried a lot of different things and maybe they're skeptical. So uh, how, how would you help a speaker uh, first of all, what are some of the signs that that might be going on in your audience? 
And, and what are some of the techniques that a speaker would use to sort of uh, like diagnose that and maybe start to get underneath it as they're going through their talk? Yeah, if you are better at being unscripted, this really helps because I am not a scripted person, even though I have to write scripts for people all the time. It, it really is about if in that moment you see people's arms crossed, their phones are out, they're like, I call this the do me face. Yeah, come on. What do you got? Right? And their arms are crossed, they're <laughs> shut down. You can see it and they're not even paying attention. If you can say, you know what, let's really talk about what is affecting the community. Who in here has something top of mind that really is and listen and reflect back. And then all of a sudden they put their phones down and they go, wow, this person really wants to, that cares about what my, what my problems are, what the things I see and what hasn't worked. And if there's, if you're, you know, even if it's say political, if you're saying, well, here's how I'm going to fix all these problems. And, and they're like, well, that's not what we want, or that's not going to work or any of that. And you just talk at them. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get them enrolled in the big vision and they're checked out and they're doing their thing. Right. So it really is, I think that conversational piece, you can take a tally of like, Oh, how many people in here is this is the first time you're here or, you know, how many people grew up in homelessness or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And get to kind of feel what the audience, who's in the audience especially if you have no idea who's going to be there. That really will help you set the stage for yourself to know that there are going to be those objections. Because here's the thing, as, if, as a seminar leader, most people who are attracted to my work are similar to me. So I know they're having the same struggles I used to have a couple steps behind. So there's been times in my business where I struggled, right? So if I address that and I'm saying, let me share it with my story with you about that, then they're like, oh, she gets it. She gets me and she gets it, right? So again, being able to do that from stage or in a group or even in a boardroom really helps. If you're getting the feedback from other people and then in, enriching your message with more of their, their, um, their observations and their objections, that kind of thing. Talk about quantity. I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, quantity of content. And uh, Russell and I met at a development forum, CEO space, and people come in all jazzed up. I want to tell you everything about it, and uh, that that really has negative impacts. So, talk about how does a presenter learn how much is enough? You just need enough. So, if you know what the audience problem is, you just need enough to show them that A, you know what you're talking about, B, you're the expert in it and can take them to their solution, right? And you don't have to give them the whole thing. I did it too. I think it's any time you see a brand new speaker that's like fire hosing people, you know that they're new. They don't realize it's too much. And people, the thing is you get people so overwhelmed, they're like, oh, I have all these things now to do. Um, after I'm done with all these things, then I might go back and hire that person or I might enroll in their program or whatever, but now I have all this stuff I got to go and Okay, I got to work this stuff out because they really gave me a lot of good stuff. But if you do that, then I think they don't need you, right? And it's not a place of like convincing them that they need you, but show them enough that shifts some of their perspectives to see, okay, here's all the things I need to do, but oh my gosh, I don't know how to implement any of this. So how do I implement it? And then you say, well, that's why I created whatever, right? Because then you're showing them that, I am the expert that can take you to your aspirations. Now that we know that these are the things that you have, here's what you need to implement, right? So I think that's really important. So um, Russell, I heard a rumor 
that um, Aaron's going to be doing a summit for speakers. Um, so we ought to talk about that a little bit, and we ought to talk about the symposium that Center Vision does. So Aaron, um, we spoke briefly about it, but we do um, on the country. We do a um, comprehensive summit that lets people know how, how to start, how to grow, how to build the organization that they're leading. And so it's the nuts and bolts of how do you create a strategy, how do you work on yourself as a leader, how do you build your team, in other words, your board, your volunteers, your committees, that kind of stuff. And then how do you translate um, what you want to do into to income? So there's a presentation piece that's missing. So I'm, I'm thinking nonprofit leaders need to go to our summit and your summit. Ours is August 22nd in um, West Palm Beach, Florida, and it's leadershipwestpalm.org, leadershipwestpalm.org. So let's, um, I'm going to put your website and your Activate Your Life book link in the, in the, um, the podcast notes, but I also want to put how do people find out about your Leader Summit and why should they go? Yeah, so the Transformational Speaker Summit, this is the sixth year we've put it on, and we have people that are executives, we have entrepreneurs, we have startups, we have nonprofit leaders, we really have people that really want to change somehow, change the world by whatever, they, whatever they're passionate about. And so in the Transformational Speaker Summit, we have speakers from all over, some of the best names out there, which is amazing, and then you get me. So you get to learn all these things that I, we were talking about today and learn how to actually implement them and you learn how to actually come up with other streams of income. Now, here's something that most nonprofits don't think about because they think mostly from the donation place. And in this, I help you come up with newer ideas of ways that you can bring in funds that might not be through that specific journey as much anymore. Like there's other ways that we can do this. And so in this three-day seminar, we teach different ways that you can do that and get more people enrolled in the vision and, and implementing the vision and actually being able to communicate it to get more of those, those funds coming in. And maybe where are some other streams of income that might can come in and really support this uh, foundation, this, this nonprofit at the same time. So we go kind of through all of that. And so that's going to be September 19th to the 21st in Palm Springs, California. It is um, the transformational speakers summit.com. You can find all the information there. And it really, truly is a place of 300 visionaries in, in changing the world, coming together and thought leaders that really are doing something that is miraculous. So you should all be there because you're going to learn how to implement all these things we're talking about. 300? Yes. Whoa. Um, so give us that URL slowly. Yes. It's www.transformationalspeakers, with an S, summit.com. Two S's. Yes. Summit.com, okay. Transformationalspeakerssummit.com. Yes. And um, is this your event? Yes, it is. I've been putting it on for six years now. Wow. Yeah, and she's working with our good friend, Lorian Towers, who appeared on the program before. This is how I met this remarkable young lady. She's got courses out here that, uh, that people can use too. So, and uh, 
there's something special. I mean, there's a special access for people that attend uh, to one of her courses. Yeah. So I make it as, as much value as I can give. If you buy the course, uh, the Transformational Speakers Academy, you get a free ticket to attend. And if you attend, you got to buy a ticket, you get actually the access to the course. So you can go back and make sure that you didn't miss anything and you're doing the notes. And if there's anything more you wanted to add to it, it really helps do both of those pieces. So both of those purchases get you each one of those because I just want to help people really make a difference with their message. So, so Aaron, speak about transformation. What, what does that mean to you and why should people want to think about transformation? So there's information and there's transformation and information is pretty dead now, <laughs> even in the tech space. Right. And so people are been, we've, we've been inundated with being able to get to information at any time, Google it, uh, YouTube it. Like we're just, we have, access to all information but what's different about transformational speaking and transformational leaders is really changing the perspective changing shifting something in the person on the other side of the room the other side of the phone call the other side of the from the stage right and so it really truly is this place of let me speak to your your pain let me show you your aspirations and let, let me help you walk to that that's truly transformative. And when you watch like a TEDx, you can see that they give you a new perspective or a new idea, you know, that you're like, oh, I've never thought about it from that way. And that's truly transformative because in those few moments, and even in a TEDx, it's only 18 minutes, you have changed something inside of your brain. It rewires a little differently. You might fire neurons differently than you did before. And that truly is transformative. So that when they walk out that door, they're never the same again. So, you know, as demonstrated by those TED Talks, it only takes anywhere from 12 to 20 minutes to create a shift in somebody's mind about something. So that's really something very crucial to, to keep in mind. Yeah, they're usually only one piece of data. It's not a huge amount of value. It's one piece. It's one thing, one idea. So, Aaron, this is really good information. And, Russell, it... it fits our philosophy of what, what we teach. So we're gonna give just a little brief sponsors presentation here about this. And we have two sponsors today, WordSprint and Cinevision, um, our symposium. And um, then we'll give it back to you for a closing thought. You wanna leave people. And Russell will close out a really helpful interview. Um, our, our, our ongoing sponsor is Word Sprint. Bill Gilmer and his team help you communicate and retain and grow your tribe. It's the, the message, the right message to the right person in the right rhythm. It looks good, the 30, 30, 30, 10. You don't want to make it so fancy people think you're wasting your money, their money that they give you. So we maintain donors because we tell them about the impact of our work. Word Sprint, you should contact Bill and his team and get a quote. It's really magnificent. Over time, you see your donor base increase, you see your, your income increase just from that one track. And like Aaron said, there's other tracks. And we at Center Vision teach there's eight, eight different streams of revenue. Donations are one, but it's a very good foundational uh, giving to support that part of your budget. Uh, on August 22nd, 
this is 2019, if you listen to this podcast in cyberspace, it might be another year, but we have ongoing events. So when you go to centervisionleadership.org, uh, you look there and you'll see events and look for the events where we're gonna be in the world. And in August the 22nd, we'll be in West Palm Beach, Florida at Kaiser University. Russell and I will be with some other colleagues and we'll be presenting lots of things that you wish you had known earlier about building your team, empowering your board, engaging your volunteers, and attracting revenue. And of course, you need to be a good presenter to pull all that together. So if you go to leadershipwestpalm.org, this is in West Palm Beach, Florida, but it's leadershipwestpalm.org. There'll be a landing page there all about it. And if you don't live in Florida and don't want to go there, you can sign up for the live stream. Uh, there's no interactive piece, but you can get the content. So we'd like to see you in that space. It's really world-class content, and it's a little smaller, smaller than Aaron's events. So you'll get to network with some other nonprofit leaders, clergy, other people that lead community cause charities. Leadershipwestpalm.org. So Aaron, we had some noise, so I muted you there a minute. Aaron is, is traveling with a family situation and she's agreed to come in and she's at a coffee shop, which is a good deal because you never run out of things to drink. <laughs> so Aaron, what, what do you want to leave people with, a thought or a challenge or a tip? My challenge would be really, truly, if you want to enroll more people to really change the world, you have to be willing to share your vulnerability and share your passion for what you are standing for. And I think that a lot of times we, we don't wanna go there. We're nervous about being judged or criticized or ridiculed. But true transformation comes from sh opening that part up of you and saying, I see you, I validate you, and I get it because I've been there, done that, and together we can do more. And so I think that goes with when you're just leading, when you're speaking, when you're even with my kids, right? It's all important to do that and really see one another because we know that a lot of the people that are being marginalized haven't been seen and validated. And so if we can start a ripple effect of validating, I see you, I validate you, and I honor you, everywhere we go, we really truly can change every inch of the, the planet with what where we, where we show up and we walk every day. Aaron, it's, it's been an honor to have you here and a pleasure. And in light of what's going on with you, you're still able to, to come and join us and give of your time and talent. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, remember that Transformational Speaker Summit is September 19th to 21st in Palm Springs, California. Be there or be square. Join Hugh and I next month at Kaiser University. It's all about uh, stuffing our toolkit and, and bringing all of our talents to the table so that we can continue to make a difference in this world. Uh, this podcast and other information and resources can be found at uh, centervisionleadership.org. Click on the big blue button in the corner and join. Uh, we frequently review books and other materials that are put out by our, our uh, guests. And Activate Your Life is the book that Aaron Loman-Jack has written. 
And that book, uh, we'll be talking about that down the road in future podcasts. We are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, where we bring you leaders from the different industries and the nonprofit world to get you the tools and the information you need to continue to go out there and serve at a high level. I'm grateful for you all. Look for us here next week. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher so that you won't miss a single episode in the event that you can't be here at our regularly scheduled time. So until next week, keep serving at that high level. We look very forward to seeing you again next week on the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.